Hi, thank you for joining us today. My name is Q Nguyen and I serve as the Director of Content Development here at APHA within the Education Department. For today's segment, we'll provide a better understanding of common therapies for gender-affirming care. So when we think about gender-affirming care, it's defined as a range of social, psychological, behavioral, legal, and medical interventions that are designed to support and affirm an individual's gender identity when it conflicts with the gender they were assigned at birth, often referred to as gender dysphoria. So gender affirmation is a term that is inclusive and really should be used in lieu of the term transition. Examples of gender-affirming care can include counseling about coming out as transgender to family and peers, resources such as makeup classes to assist with changing outward appearances, and even speech therapy to help with matching pitch, tone, and other vocal characteristics with gender identity. While there are many different aspects of gender-affirming care, we are going to focus on pharmacologic interventions. So generally speaking, the goal of gender-affirming hormone therapy, sometimes referred to as GAHT, or what I'll refer to for this podcast as hormone therapy sometimes, is to achieve serum levels of sex steroids that match the levels associated with the genders, the individual's gender identity. And so hormone therapy differs depending on the individual's developmental stage at that point and their treatment goals. So let's first talk about hormone therapy with the goal of feminine embodiment. This usually consists of estrogen and an androgen-lowering medication, while masculinizing therapy consists of testosterone. So the goal of feminizing hormone therapy is to develop female secondary characteristics, while also minimizing the development of male secondary sex characteristics. Treatment should lead to breast development, reduction of muscle mass, change in sweat patterns, reduction of erectile function, reduced testicular size, and several other secondary sex characteristics. So of note, most physical effects are reversible with the exception of breast growth being irreversible. Data with estrogens in general is most concerning with ethanol estradiol. So it is not used in any transgender treatment plans. Now conjugated equine estrogens are also no longer utilized due to concern for VTE, cardiovascular effects, and the inability to measure estradiol blood levels with this formulation. Because estradiol is inexpensive, widely available, and has a lower incidence of side effects, such as VTE, it is recommended for use as gender-affirming hormone therapy. With that being said, estrogen alone is often insufficient to suppress testosterone levels to the normal range for females. This is where antiandrogens or androgen blockers may come in. They are commonly used as part of feminizing hormone therapy to suppress the production of testosterone and its effects. The use of these medications also allows for a lower dosing of estradiol. When thinking about this therapy, spironolactone comes to mind. It is the most frequently used androgen blocker. And so while we all know it to be a potassium sparing diuretic, Spironolactone has direct antiandrogen receptivity at higher doses of 100 milligrams to 400 milligrams per day, and it suppresses the synthesis of testosterone. Now, there is some literature on the use of 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, such as dutasteride and finasteride as antiandrogens. 
But these medications work by blocking the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, which is a more potent androgen. However, since they do not directly block the production nor the effects of testosterone, they are not nearly as effective as normalactone. Now, gonadotropin-releasing hormone analogs, or sometimes you'll see it as GnRH analogs, and progestins such as oromedroxyprogesterone acetate may be utilized as well. When looking at masculinizing hormone therapy, testosterone is prescribed and aims for results such as increased muscle mass, fat redistribution, and cessation of menses. Irreversible physical effects include the development of facial hair, voice changes, and hair loss. In many cases, the dosing of testosterone for hormone therapy will be higher than the dosing that is used in males with low testosterone. It is a Schedule three drug, and so really must be used with caution. One special situation to note is that under very specific and select circumstances, GnRH analogs may be initiated to suppress puberty in adolescents. However, criteria and availability vary greatly from state to state and is beyond the scope of our five minutes together. So when thinking about the different therapies that we see, there are many approaches to offer gender-affirming hormone therapy. And if you have any questions regarding the appropriateness of a regimen that you encounter, always proceed with sensitivity. Do not forget to take into account your approach when counseling on the use, potential side effects and risk to hormone therapy, interactions and the associated expectations beyond what the package inserts of these therapies provide. Really creating a safe and inclusive space for your pharmacy, your patients is essential in providing equitable care and improving overall health outcomes. If you're interested in this topic and would like to learn more about communication strategies for caring for patients who are receiving or are seeking gender-affirming care, barriers to this care, and really best practices for the provision of these services, please check out our May Pharmacy Today article. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe now. And don't forget to complete the assessment to earn CE credit for the month. Available now on APJ's Learning Library.